Hi, I'm Lynn. And I'm Jan. Welcome to the second season of Lamplighters Podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. So no matter who you are or where you are, no matter the time or experience you've had following Jesus, or if you haven't had any time and experience at all, we're grateful to be on the journey with you and look forward to becoming more of who God created us to be. So in racing through Christ's entire life last (laughs) week, we arrived in the garden at the tomb on that first day of the week, which changed everything, Mm -hmm. right? We heard the angel echo Jesus's comments to his disciples when he called them, come and see, go and tell, awesome purpose. But here's the question, come and see the Savior and King. Now go and tell everybody about him, Mm -hmm. right? How do we do that? (laughs) How do we do that? And I think that might be what this study introduces us to. That's right. We're going to get started on that anyway. Okay. Nothing. Well, we do have a whole semester to go. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So as usual, when I sat down with this lesson to study it and to think about this podcast, the first thing I do is I look at the title of our lesson, which this week is The Spirit Promised by Jesus which then, of course, led me to my dictionary to Mm -hmm. look up the word promise. So Webster's definition is a commitment by someone to do or not do something. As a noun, promise means a declaration assuring that one will or will not do something. As a verb, it means to commit oneself by a promise to do or give. Mm. So, I mean, that's easy enough to understand, I think, but it's also pretty easy for us, or me anyway, mm-hmm. to disregard or minimize that word promise because of our experiences with the word. Yeah, it's kind of lost its meaning. Yeah, and that's what I thats what I think. I think it's a word that has become so familiar and that we use so flippantly that it's lost some of its power, actually. Mm. Um, here's a simple example. Think about all the promises that children make. You know, if you'll get me this or do this, then I promise to. And, you know, you can fill in the blank here with just about anything. You know, make my bed every day, do my homework without complaining, quit fighting with my sister, and so on. You know, the problem is that as adults, we know that that promise has no real value because we know that as soon as the child gets what he or she is after, the promise is quickly forgotten. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a best friend growing up who just lived one block up from me, and we were inseparable. We even made a blood promise to each other. Yeah, but without the blood, because we were a little squeamish (laughs) about that. But we made a promise that we would always share, and we would never get mad at each other. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful promise, right? It is. Well, you know how long that lasted. Mm -hmm. It was about 24 hours, because she borrowed my favorite stuffed animal and wouldn't give it back. And let me tell you, there was World War III on our block. I— the promise didn't last. Uh, yeah. Well, and unfortunately, <laughs> this is not something that ends in childhood. Mm. You know, as adults, we still make promises that we don't keep. And, you know, hopefully we have the best of intentions, but, you know, very often we find excuses for not following through. You know, maybe our circumstances change or mm. we, f- we could just forget or, you know— Maybe we overpromised on what we can actually deliver. Or we just decide we don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All these things have watered down that word promise. Mm. In fact, I believe that many of the promises we make are not actually promises. They're more bargaining chips. Mm. 
if you do this, then I promise to do that. You know, that's very familiar. And, you know, we may not be that blatant. We may be more subtle in the way we deliver that line, but it's often our underlying motivation. Yeah, we have, we have contracts yeah, with people. Exactly. Well, the issue is that we are human, and even though we are filled with good intentions, we often fail. It's part of our humanity. And because of that, the word promise does not hold the same power when we use it today mm. that it had when Jesus used it. And here's the important difference that I want to focus on right now. Remember that Jesus came as man, but he is also God. So that whenever he makes a promise, he has the power of God to keep it. Mm. So I wasn't totally satisfied with this definition of promise. So I wanted to look up what the biblical (laughs) definition of promise was. And what I found is that it is an oath or affirmation. It is Mm. a vow. Now, that's a pretty powerful difference. An oath or a vow does not have an escape clause built in. It feels much more powerful. And it's the word that Jesus used to assure us of the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's more, if you will, a statement of fact. Yeah. You know, Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, keep my commands, and I We'll ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. He will send us His Holy Spirit, period. He does not attach an escape clause to it. But, you know, you could read this, and you could think that it sounds conditional because He uses the word if. Well, that's how we use it. That's right. But what we need to understand that in this context with Jesus, if here really means when. It is a guarantee that when we give our life to Him, He promises us His Spirit. I'm glad you brought that out, Lynn, because I didn't understand about biblical promises when I first started following Jesus. And a friend explained the difference to me. Our promises, as I said a while ago, are are like contracts. They can be broken. Yeah. But God's promises are like covenants. Yeah. They can never be broken. They're guaranteed. It's sort of a done deal. Even if we don't see them kept for a while, they are solid. Mm-hmm. We can put our weight on them because they are going to come true. Uh, you know, remember when we studied the attributes of God a couple of years ago, since Jesus is God, mm-hmm. He never changes. He never lies. He does what He says He will do always. And that applies to His sure and guaranteed promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit to us. Yeah, it's amazing Um, and comforting. Absolutely. (laughs) And reassuring. Um, And I want to remind us that this promise of the Holy Spirit is scattered throughout the Old Testament as well. Here he gives us his word through his son Jesus, but we can go back and see other times he gives us his word concerning the promise of the Holy Spirit. Um, One great example is in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27, where it says, Mm. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. That is one of my absolute favorite promises of the Old Testament because I need a new heart so frequently. Yeah. Um, And it's encouraging me to know that the thread of Mm -hmm. the promise of the Holy Spirit doesn't begin 
after the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's it's a promise foretold in the Old Testament. It yeah. follows the whole story all the way through. Mm-hmm. It's fulfilled in the New Testament. And that's carried on today in the lives of believers. So it's a thread that continues for us. Which is the whole thing we're studying this year, where mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is from beginning to end. Okay, so now that we have a better understanding of that word promise, I want to look at today's lesson in two different ways. First, why did Jesus make this promise? And then what was he promising? Mm. The when and the specifics of how and this promise will come in future lessons. I'm so glad we're going to get to roll around in it for a while. Yes, we will. We will. (laughs) Okay, so let's start with the why that Jesus made this promise. Jesus made this promise towards the end of his ministry when he knew that he was about to leave his disciples in a way that they could never imagine. Mm. He knew the fear they would have and the great sense of loss or possibly even feelings of abandonment or betrayal that they were going to suffer. We now know that he was only leaving them in the physical sense of the word, but they had no way of knowing or understanding this at the time. Mm. We see this after the cross. You know, this was all before the cross, and they didn't really understand it. Mm -hmm. And try to imagine what this was going to feel like to them when Jesus died, was resurrected, and ascended into heaven. The man who had physically been with them every day, walking alongside them, teaching Mm -hmm. them, preaching to them, guiding them, instructing them in what to do and where to go, was going to be gone. I mean, it had to have been overwhelming. And Jesus knew that these were the feelings they were going to have. He was not leaving them at all, but that's what it was going to feel like to them. So he wanted to give them a promise to reassure them that his spirit would would remain with them forever. Mm. Now, remember that he has given them their mission. They are to go and tell and make fishers of men. It was their commission to reach out and touch lives. They were to become the hands and feet of Jesus in their world, and they were getting ready to have to do it without their leader, Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. They had been told what to do, but for the very first time, they would be doing it alone. Mm. I can only imagine that they were more than a little intimidated by this call. I don't think intimidated is a strong enough word. I think they were probably terrified because they didn't have specific instructions. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jesus knows us very well, and he knows that we can't manage this life without his help. So he doesn't ask us to. Mm. Think about this for a minute. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit when he was walking the earth as a man. His ministry only started once he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, because it was the Holy Spirit who gave him the power he needed as a man to carry out his purpose. Jesus came as a man and experienced everything as a man that we will ever experience. And remember, he never asks us to do something that he hasn't already done. Mm. So in the same way that he needed the Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit because we can't do what we are called to do in our own power either. And that is exactly why he promised us the Holy Spirit. Then it's very, very comforting to know He doesn't abandon us in this giant call in our life. But yeah. that does brings us to the next point you wanted to make. What exactly is Jesus promising us in the Holy Spirit? 
Well, he's promising that the Holy Spirit has the power to equip us to do what he has called us to do. If you remember back in Romans 6, Paul wrote that we have been baptized into Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit in order that we may live a new kind of life, life in the Spirit. That means guided by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Life in the Holy Spirit is a continuous, repeated action. The promise we have is that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we will continue. It's not a, it's not a one and done thing. We always have the Spirit with us. Mm. We will continually receive Him, His life. His Spirit is just constantly with us. And that's why Jesus described it as, you know, living water flowing through us. You know, he promises the flow of the Holy Spirit will be continual. It's not stop and go. It's not going to dry up. It's going to be that steady stream. Okay, so we receive the Holy Spirit. And what exactly does that mean? That means whatever we need, Mm. right? (laughs) And that's amazing. And it's also not very specific. But that's okay. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is infinite and unlimited, and that's what we cling to. So because it's infinite and unlimited, there's just no way to name everything. But I bet you're going to try. Well, I'm not going to even try and do everything. I'm going to try with, I'm just going to talk about some of the things that I think about when I think about the Holy Spirit and His role in my life. Okay, first of all, the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. You know, it's the Holy Spirit who is constantly reminding us who Jesus is, that he is our Savior, and what he did for us. He died for our sins so that we could have eternal life. The Spirit also reminds us all the ways Jesus instructed us to live in order to be more like him. Jesus didn't leave us out here on us on our own to remember what we're supposed to do. He gave us the Spirit to help us. So Jesus gives us a purpose and then gives us the power through the Holy Spirit to accomplish the person. That's right. Absolutely. All right, let's keep going. The Holy Spirit guides us. He teaches us. He reveals things to us and gives us personal instructions. That's important because the Spirit is in each one of us individually, and so we have personal instructions from Him. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to remember them all because he's always there to remind us. And I don't know about you, Jan, but that's something (laughs) I'm especially grateful for these days because my memory is not what it used to be. Amen to that. I definitely need a keeper, and it's comforting to know the keeper's the Holy Spirit. That's right. So one of the things that has been particularly comforting for me in in this recent season that I'm in is that Mm. the Holy Spirit helps us when we pray. He prays with us. He prays for us, and it just gives me great hope and great comfort Mm -hmm. that when I don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit knows and will pray it for me. Mm -hmm. And isn't that true that we don't know what to pray more often than not? Oh, it's so true. Yeah. Okay. The Holy Spirit also encourages us. He calls us to service, and He fills us with the boldness and inner strength we need to obey that call. You know, we hear that phrase so often that God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. Mm -hmm. And that goes all the way back to Exodus when Moses, if you remember, said, (laughs) 
to God, hey, wait a minute, I think you picked the wrong guy. I can't <laughs> he was arguing do this. With God. Yeah, yeah, I'm not ready. I don't know how to do this. I'm I'm not equipped to do this. And besides, I stutter. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and um, but God basically said, hey, Moses, look, you can count on me. I am there in every circumstance you will face, and there's nothing mm. that I cannot help you with. The Holy Spirit lives inside inside of us, transforming us into the image of Jesus by helping to free us from sin. And he does that by pointing it out to us. You know, I don't, I think so often we we are either unaware or want to be unaware yeah. of the sin that, that is in our lives. And it's the Holy Spirit that's poking us and giving us that feeling, whether it's in the pit of your stomach or that nagging voice you hear in your head or whatever it is, <laughs> that causes you to stop and say, hey, wait a minute, am I supposed to be doing this? Yeah. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit gives us gifts that produce fruit in our lives. And that in itself is going to be a whole lesson um, that we have later this year, all about exactly what the fruit is that, that I'm looking is forward produced to that. in our lives. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be a good one. Okay. The Holy Spirit also identifies us as God's own and gives us access to Him. I mean, how amazing is that? It is it is pretty amazing. Um, when you think about it, the Holy Spirit has got a really big job. But I want to go back to the phrase that you read at the beginning, that okay. he's our advocate. Yes. Right. Because it reminds me of a story. Okay. Which does have a point. Hang okay. in there with me. All right. When my son Edward started driving, he had a fender bender. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, it was the left rear quarter panel. Remember that. Okay. The left rear quarter panel. The driver of the other car was the daughter of a very high-powered attorney in Austin. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, when we got the estimate for the repair, it was astronomical. And Edward and I were looking at each other in horror and despair, thinking, how in the world are we going to pay for this repair when Harold wandered in? Mm-hmm. And he said, don't worry, I'll take care of this. Because he knew the dad, mm. right? So he called him up and he said, look, Edward was at fault. But he was at fault for the left rear quarter panel, Mm. not the front bumper, (laughs) not the right front quarter panel, not the driver's Mm -hmm. door. Um, So we paid for the damage that Edward had actually done, not what was being laid at his door Mm -hmm. by someone who thought they could put one over on a Mm 16-year-old. And the reason was because Edward had an advocate. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. Okay, let's get the definition. Okay. An advocate pleads the cause of another, defends and maintains the cause of another, promotes and supports the interests of another. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Yeah. Pleads, defends, maintains, promotes, supports. We are Mm -hmm. the other that is doing that. And not only does he intercede for us in prayer, the Holy Spirit actively defends us before the throne of God. He is our advocate with Mm. the judge. So in legal terms, he makes our case. He stands between us and the accuser. He speaks only what he hears from the Son. Mm-hmm. And because the Holy Spirit is completely in perfect unity with Jesus and therefore with the Father, he wins every case. Yes. So the Holy Spirit is our lawyer, if we want to think of it in <laughs> that right. terms. And I, right. I just love that image. It's a great one. Yeah. Okay, I want to take a minute now and circle back around to that word promise. I spent some time thinking about promises made 
and promises broken in my life, Mm. both by others and by me. And I have to tell you, it made me kind of sad, but it also gave me hope. Because, you know, God can use all of our circumstances, good, bad, or otherwise, to His glory. And He has sure done that too many times in my life to count. And in surprising ways. Of course, always surprising. So I was trying to think about any promises that I had made recently. And what I discovered is that it's not a word I use that often anymore. Mm. I can remember as a child using it all the time. Um, But I think maybe subconsciously somewhere along the line, I realized the actual power of the word and what it meant about me if I used it and then didn't Mm. follow through. Because mm-hmm. I want to be a person who always stands by my word. And I, you know, I wonder that if I didn't just realize at some point how difficult that was for me to keep a promise on my own power. Mm. Um, anyway, that's not the point here. Let's get back to actual <laughs> promises. We digress. Yes, we digress. Okay. So the promise that I can remember most recently is a promise that I made to my granddaughter. Um, I was with her this summer and I was trying to teach her how to swim. Mm. Now, she was a little bit scared. So I kept promising her that I was right there with her and I was going to help her. You know, I promised her I would catch her when she jumped in and Mm -hmm. that I would not let her sink. I just kept saying it over and over again. I promise. Come on, Parker. I promise. I promise. I'm going to catch you. You're not going to (laughs) go under. You know, just trying to reassure her. Well, eventually she got up enough courage and she jumped into the pool where, of course, I caught her. Mm -hmm. And the first couple of times I didn't even let her face get wet, her head go under the water. Yeah, because you just, you know, I knew the significance of that promise I had made her. But then because she believed me when I made that promise, that I really did have her, I really was going to protect her, she got much braver and we were able to make some really good progress. You know, then her head was going underwater and then she was jumping and kind of swimming to me. Yep. You know, each, each step went a little bit further. But I can only imagine that if I had not caught her that first time, if she had jumped in and I had just let her go underwater and come up choking, mm-hmm. that she would have not been so quick to trust me and jump in again. Progress would not have been made. No, I don't think so. <laughs> and I think this is what Jesus did when he promised us the Holy Spirit. He was reassuring us that he would always be there to catch us. Now, we have responsibility in that we have to believe that promise and we have to jump. Mm. And in the same way that my granddaughter got braver each time she jumped to me, I think we have the opportunity to get braver each time we are obedient and see that the Holy Spirit really is right there with us, giving us His power so that we can do what we are being led to do. You know, that first jump may be terrifying, but He's got us. I love that analogy, Lynn, because I did exactly the same thing with our grandchildren. And it was always, I promise, just jump, yeah, I'll right, promise. Right. Or or I think um, the first jump you and I made into a podcast, oh, which was no terrifying, yes, and how yes. gracious God has been to us uh-huh. with that. But anyway, do you have a question you want to leave with us today? You know, I think I want, I just want all of our listeners to think about promises. Mm. Um maybe promises you've made, promises others have made to you, but specifically about this promise made to us by our Creator. Focus on that one. Mm. And just ask yourself, are you living 
in a way that shows you really believe him when Mm. he made that promise to us. Well, I want to leave our friends with a question that's kind of the same thing as what you're saying. The question is this. When was the last time you jumped? Mm -hmm. And what happened? Yeah. Until next time. 